Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. So the Bible actually has quite a lot to say about money. I did a quick Google, um, and apparently there are around 500 verses in the Bible that talk about faith and that talk about prayer. You think, okay, faith and prayer, they are pretty fundamental uh, to our Christian life and our walk with Jesus. Well, it might surprise you to hear that the Bible contains over 2,000 verses about money and possessions. This is over four times as many references to faith and prayer. Jesus himself talked about money a lot. 16 of the 38 parables are about how to handle money and our possessions. And in the Gospels, one in 10 verses deal directly with the subject of money. So safe to say the Bible sees it as an important issue. And lack of financial peace can have such a huge impact um, on other areas of our lives. I recently read a study that said 77% of people living in the UK were stressed about money. So why don't we talk about money more? Well, it's, it's quite a personal thing, isn't it? If we're honest, we don't want people knowing about our spending habits or our struggles. And we certainly don't want anyone telling us what our spending habits should be. It's my money, I earned it, I should be able to decide how I spend it. And I don't want to talk to anyone more about it. So this morning, I'm not actually going to talk to you about money, because we don't like to talk about money. <clears throat> Instead, I'm going to talk to you all about donuts, because we all like donuts. But when I refer to donuts in this preach, just remember, I really mean money. So it can be our little secret this morning. So I want to focus on a passage from the Old Testament this morning found in 1 Chronicles 29. So to give you a bit of context before we jump in, uh, this passage is about the Israelites, so God's chosen promised people. Ever since they fled uh, the persecution and the oppression um, in Egypt, the people had lived in tents. This is because they were moving around quite a lot, so it was a lot easier for them to pack down a tent and put it back up again somewhere else. And God camped with them um, in what was called the tabernacle. This was essentially a very large tent where his presence rested. And it could be packed down as well when they needed to move. So the Israelites lived like this for a while, and many leaders and kings came and went until we get to King David. God speaks to David and gives him all the detailed plans to build an actual temple for God, a physical permanent building. And if this building is going to be the place where God himself, the God of the universe, dwells, then it needs to be a rather impressive temple. And a rather impressive temple needs a lot of materials, and materials are expensive. So we read in 1 Chronicles 29 how David gave from his own fortune to the temple, and then he encourages others to do likewise. And they did, and they did it willingly and with joy. The temple was built from the voluntary gifts of the people. So we're going to look closer at verses 10 to 17 um, in chapter 29 this morning. This is David's prayer of praise after the people had given their gifts to put towards the construction of the temple. So please follow along in your Bibles or the verses will appear um, on the screen behind me. So starting in verse 10, it says, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, 
You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honour come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. So David has grasped a truth here that is so important. A truth that I believe can bring such freedom that changes the way we think about our possessions, that changes the way we handle our possessions. And that is that God owns all the donuts. If we cast our minds back to the creation story in Genesis, when God created the world... He formed Adam and Eve and set them in the Garden of Eden to enjoy creation and all that God had made. But he also gave them responsibility to look after it, to steward it, to tend to the garden that ultimately belonged to God. But sadly, since the fall, when Adam and Eve ate that forbidden fruit and sin entered the world, we have a tendency as humans to try and live independently from God. We have a tendency to view our lives, our possessions, our donuts as our own. And society, our culture, the world we live in doesn't help us in this either. We are constantly required to fill in who something belongs to. If you think back to at school, when we iron those labels into our clothes to say that it belonged to us, there are often spaces in the front of books that say this book belongs to Luke. When I used to plug my iPod into my laptop, it used to come up and say Luke's iPod. Or when you buy a house or a car, you fill out the registration form to say it belongs to you. I even had to register my vacuum cleaner, so Dyson now knows that it belongs to me. But King David didn't view things like this. David is looking at all the gold, the silver, bronze, iron, the precious stones that had been freely given to pay for the temple, including his own, and he's praising God and acknowledging that all of it comes from God. He says, everything comes from you, and we have given only what comes from your hand. All that we have on this earth comes from God. Every blessing in life Every possession we own, every penny we earn, all the donuts in our bag, it all comes from God and it all belongs to God. And when we grasp this truth that all our possessions and blessings are from him, it massively changes the way we view things. So we used to run a, a family fun day at church where families in the local community could come and do activities, play games, have fun. As part of this, we had a games console area for the kids. And I was asked on a few occasions whether they could use my Xbox for the fun day. And I'll admit, initially, I was very hesitant about lending it. I thought, what if they don't look after my Xbox how I do? What if my Xbox breaks? But my problem was I was viewing it as mine, and that view actually made me have a very tight grip of it, a tight grip of my possessions. But once I changed that perspective, viewing the Xbox as as God's and not my own, it actually brought real freedom. It allowed me to offer it freely, and with joy. And Robert Morris, in his book, Beyond Blessed, says, when you truly, deep down, acknowledge that it's all God's anyway, you'll feel your spiritual fingers loosen their iron grip on things. You'll finally experience release from the crushing burden of thinking you have to hoard everything that comes your way. 
It's not ultimately up to you. You can let go now. So maybe we should start filling in God's names for things as we buy them as a gentle reminder that they all belong to him. Put a little sticky label on stuff to say this belongs to God. And it sounds amusing when I say it out loud, but I know I'd be a lot quicker to lend someone my car if on the rear bumper it said God's car. And I'd certainly be a lot slower to spend money if the final prompt on Amazon said, have you checked with Jesus before confirming this order? (laughs) And as we read in this passage, recognising that everything comes from God enabled David and the people to give freely. The Bible tells us that giving generously is a good thing. Jesus teaches it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, I recently heard about um, the two seas in Israel. So the Sea of of Galilee in the north is beautiful. It's filled with fish. It's filled with life. The Dead Sea in the south is, as the name suggests, it is pretty dead. It is filled with salt and chemicals where nothing can live. So what is the difference between the two seas? The main difference is the Sea of Galilee has an inflow and an outflow. It's got a river coming into it and a river going out of it, enabling it to keep flourishing, whereas the Dead Sea only has an inflow. And there is something in this that is a bit of an analogy for our lives. Our generosity or that outflow in our lives not only helps others, but just like the Sea of Galilee, it also enables us to flourish. It can bring us greater freedom. It can start to release that tight grip we have on our possessions. Giving can improve our well-being. But in order to give away a donut or two, we need to have spare donuts in our bag. We need to have financial margin in our lives to give from. And I believe one common reason for us not having a spare donut in our bags is we are not content with where we're at or not content with what we've already got. This means that it's possible for us to live in a relatively affluent nation and still feel like we need more. And if we're honest with ourselves, this desire for more often comes from what we want rather than what we need. We are daily bombarded with advertisements saying, you need more, you need these shoes, you need this phone, you need this steak, but not just this steak, this succulent eight-ounce sirloin steak oozing with juices covered in rich, silky gravy. Yes, I'm looking at you, M&S. And when we think we need to spend more, when we think we need more, we tend to spend beyond our means. We borrow more so that we can have now. So how do we break free from this cycle? We could politely ask the advertising companies to stop, but I'm not sure they would listen to us. We could turn off our television or our phones, and sure, this may help, but then a bus will drive past with an advert on the side. We could just walk around with our eyes shut and our fingers in our ears. No, to get free from this cycle, we need to cultivate contentment. Cultivate a habit of thankfulness for what you do have rather than focusing on what you don't have. Maybe even write a list, all the things that you are thankful for as a reminder for what God has blessed you with. In this passage this morning, David starts his prayer with praise and thanks. It says, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. I remember a time when I was in Uganda, um, which is a nation that is incredibly poor um, in comparison to us, and I was just struck by how thankful people were. There were people I met that could barely afford food, and yet they were praising God for the day. They were praising God for the sunshine. 
So let us cultivate contentment in our lives. Let us be quick to thank God for the blessings we do have. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So in light of this truth that God owns all the donuts and striving to cultivate contentment in our lives, I want to focus our attention this morning on giving. Now some of us may already be in the habit of giving, but to some of us this may be a new concept. So we're going to spend some time looking at um, what the Bible says about it and what our passage this morning says about it. So David and the other leaders in this passage gave willingly and freely to God's work. It says, Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and it all belongs to you. So we might not be building a huge temple, but we do have the opportunity to freely give one of our donuts to God's work and to the local church we're a part of. So this is sometimes referred to in the Bible as a tithe, or our offering back to God, to recognise that ultimately everything is from him and offering him back a portion of that which we have been given to thank and praise him. We do this as part of our worship to God. And when you hear the term worship, you may automatically think of music and singing songs to God, which is, which is true, this definitely is worship. But worship is a wider term than just singing and it can take many expressions. It essentially means an offering to God. So when we offer God a tithe, this is worship to him, thanking God for what he has provided us with and saying, I know that all things come from you, so here I want to recognise that by giving some back to you. So you may be wondering, where where does my donut go if I give it to the church? So our, our giving helps to equip and support the church we're a part of. Practically speaking, it pays for things like the venue that we're in. Um, that we hire on a Sunday, it pays for the equipment we use, it pays uh, the wages of the staff we employ. But it helps us run training courses to support and build up the people within the church. It enables to run events in the local community to support and love those around us, to do mission. It enables us as a church to give money away to other charities and organisations where we see need, like with Give, Give Big. It enables us to help those who are part of the church who may be struggling. And the Bible mentions that our giving to God's work, our offering to him, should be the first thing that we spend money on. It should come from the first of what we earn. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. When we get our fresh bag of donuts at the start of the week or the month, it should be the first donut that we give away. There is something important in that. And what happens if we don't? Well, normally what happens is we quickly get stuck in. We eat what we want. And by the time we come to realise we should offer some back to God, there are just a few crumbs left in the bottom of the bag. God wants our first fruits, not our leftovers. The Bible says where our treasure is, there our hearts are also. If we are giving back to God first and foremost, it is saying to God, you are the most important thing to us. We are serving you and not our money. You have our hearts. It helps us start loosening that grip we have on our possessions. So while I was preparing this message, I was actually reminded of the last time I bought a bag of Dinky Donuts. So I think we've got a picture of uh, Landudno Pier. So come with me back to this memory. This is Landudno Pier in Wales. So it was a lovely day. The sun was shining. I had just bought my bag of donuts. They were warm. They smelled great. But as I opened the bag, I took out that first donut, admiring it in all its glory. Out of nowhere, a seagull swooped in over my shoulder, 
grabbed that donut out of my hand and flew off with it. <laughs> I was less than amused, as you can imagine. Um, but laughter nearby told me that it provided a good bit of entertainment for other people on the pier. And on reflection, maybe that was God reminding me that the first donut belongs to him. <laughs> but I love reading how in the early church the believers claimed none of their possessions as their own. In Acts we read that they shared everything they had and it said there was no needy person among them. What a wonderful picture of how church should be. And I also love how generous we have been as a church family. I've been so encouraged seeing how quickly people are to meet others' needs, cooking meals, offering lifts. What an amazing church family we are part of. And I love how generous we are at CCM as, um, as well with our giving. So I received a message from Tim Simmons, who is our senior leader this morning. Um, and he just said that, that last year in our two Give Bigs that we had last year, as a, a collective CCM family, we raised over £120,000 last year to give away to the poor. What a generous church that we are part of. So the next thing I want to speak into is an encouragement for us to test our hearts when we give. The verse 17 from our passage this morning says, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. What is the reasoning for his wanting to give? What is our motive? David was able to say with confidence that he had given with honest intent. Could we say the same? Are our motives for giving to God or to others pure? Or are we looking to gain some benefit ourselves in return? Are we wanting to make ourselves look good? And there is a difference between wanting to make ourselves look good and feeling good. So I think we would all agree that it can feel good to give. Giving to others can help improve our well-being and happiness. That is not a bad thing. When I say test your heart, I'm not saying make sure you don't have any warm, fuzzy feelings inside when you give. It's natural to feel good about giving. But rather we should not be giving to make ourselves look good in front of others. We should be giving purely for the pleasure of giving as a response to God's love for us. Our acts of giving should be God-centred, not self-centred. They should be done to make God look good, not ourselves look good. So in Matthew 6, verse 3 to 4, it says, But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. So if possible, the Bible says, we should give in secret. We shouldn't be thinking of the earthly reward or recognition that we would get, but rather to our heavenly reward. So let's test our hearts when we give. Ask yourself, would I still do this good deed if no one ever knew that I did it? So finally, let me tell you, there is real joy to be found in sharing your donuts. David says that he had watched the people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. The Bible makes it very clear we should be joyful when we give. In 2 Corinthians 9, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This means not being reluctant when we hand that donor over to someone. That means not thinking about all the other things we could have spent the money on when we hit the bank transfer button. It means finding joy in being able to bless others with what God has blessed us with. God loves a cheerful giver.
I say, if you can't give someone a donut with a smile on your face, then you shouldn't give them a donut. God doesn't want us to give because someone has told us to give. God wants us to give out of love. So if you find that you have more donuts in your bag than you need, then you might like to give some of your donuts to others in need of more. So I can remember really clearly a time when me and Rosalind were struggling financially. We'd literally just signed our mortgage, moved into our first home, when we got the devastating news that Rosalind had just been made redundant. Her whole team were. The newspaper that she was working for at the time had gone into administration and they were closing down the whole company. Now, on a slight side note, I just want to say, (laughs) despite it being bad news, God was totally watching out for us in the timing of that. Because had the redundancy happened a few weeks earlier, our mortgage would have fallen through and we would have lost the house. But I did what I do best in in those sort of situations. I I panicked. (laughs) I went into fixer mode. I got the laptop out. I opened up our budget. I started frantically adjusting sales in the spreadsheet um, to try and work out where we could cut back on our expenditure to see us through. But later that week, we received a letter from some wonderful friends of ours who had heard the news. Inside the envelope, we found some money and a note uh, reminding us that God owns it all. that it is his currency and that they wanted to be able to support it. They were giving us one of their donuts. I was genuinely struck by the generosity of these friends, um, but also that amazing reminder that God was in control, that all things come from him and that he loved us. And so there will be different people here this morning facing different circumstances. I want to recognise that there might be some people here this morning hearing me talk and the thought of giving any more money away might make them feel sick to the core. You may find yourself in significant debt and owe lots of money to other people. And I know I've used the light-hearted analogy of donuts this morning, but I'm aware that this is a really serious thing which lots of people face, and it can cause a lot of stress, anxiety, and fear on a daily basis. So if you are struggling with debt, then please seek help. Please speak to myself or one of the other leaders here privately, and we would love to be able to help you find the support that you need. There are fantastic charities out there, um, such as Christians Against Poverty, who have people trained to help with deal with issues of debt and the difficulties and pressure that that brings. Just know that God loves you, God cares deeply for you, and God longs to see you living free from debt. But please don't leave this morning without speaking to one of us if you find yourself in this situation. You may be in a season of life right now where money is tight, where you're constantly looking into your bag of donuts, wondering whether it will be enough to get you through to the end of the week. Particularly at the moment where um, energy prices are sky high, the cost of food is going up, the cost of living is going up. Know that God is in control Know that God loves you. Remind yourself of the blessings that you do have in life, things that you can be thankful for, and try and cultivate contentment and give God praise. And there may also be people here who know you have more donuts in your bag than you actually need. It's in seasons in life like this where we need to make a choice. What are we going to do with the extra donuts in our bag? 
It's very easy for us to live within our means, adjust our lifestyle to suit our income. And again, don't mishear me here. I think it is good to treat ourselves, to have a holiday, to have nice meals. God gave us things to enjoy. And he certainly wants us to take time to rest and relax. What I'm saying is when we're in season of plenty, we have an opportunity to bless others, to meet someone else's needs, to remind someone else that ultimately everything belongs to God and that it is his currency. All the donuts belong to him. So Give Big is something that we do twice a year at CCM. It is an opportunity for us as a church to each dig into our bag of donuts and give away to others. This Give Big is focused on the wider church, as, as James was mentioning earlier, how we can support the wider church and help to equip and resource it for God's mission. So we want to bless some wonderful initiatives financially. So that is, is broad, so the, the four things that, that we're looking to, to give as part of this uh, Give Big is, is broadcast, um, School of Theology and School of Ministry, Northern Gospel Powerhouse and Festival Manchester. Now, if you want to know more about these different things, then please come and speak to me or speak to James or, or someone else here afterwards. We'd love to tell you more about these things. And me and Rosalind will be praying together this week, asking God, what should we be giving as part of our Give Big? And I'd encourage you to do the same. Remind yourselves that God owns all the donuts in your bag. Prayerfully consider what you can give back to him. Giving back to him as part of your worship to him.